We're in this new series. We started last week, so you haven't missed much. If you're new, if this is your first time, you can actually go catch up online, but it's called Fight. And here's the premise of the series. Here's the challenge. If you want to accomplish anything good in life, you're going to have to fight, okay? You can't be passive. If you want a good marriage, if you're passive, it won't happen. You want a good marriage, you got to fight for it, okay? I mean, everything in this world is fighting against your marriage. If you want a good marriage, you're going to have to fight. If you uh, want uh, to overcome an addiction, there are many addictions in this room, whether it's an addiction to pornography, whether it's an addiction to opioids, whether it's an addiction to whatever, you want to overcome that addiction, it's not just going to go away overnight. You're going to have to fight for it, Okay? You want to raise kids with heads full of knowledge of God and hearts full of passion for the glory of God. You're going to have to fight, okay? You can't be passive if you want to accomplish anything good in life, all right? Now, when I was a boy, comics were for kids, you know? I mean, man, boys had comic books, but my dad never had a comic book, but times have changed. Today, grown men can hardly contain their excitement when Marvel releases their newest superhero movie, right? I mean, man, I mean, you, you see Marvel, go, go to the theater. You don't believe me, you go to the theater next time it happens, opening day of that movie, you're going to see 250-pound men stiff-arming 10-year-old boys to get the best seat, okay? Because there's something within all of us that longs to see people fight for something right, there's something within us that, that, that longs when, we, when 9-11 just happened, when we remember what happened on 9-11, 2001. Man, heroes were those who were running into a building when everybody else is running out. We're drawn to heroes. We're drawn to, to people who fight for what's right. They lay, them, they lay their, their lives on the line. We're drawn to that, right? And that's what we're challenging you to do is stand up and fight for what matters, okay? Now, last week we challenged you to fight for the gospel, to fight for the gospel. And what we're doing here is we're, we're going to preach about four things, and I believe that all churches should have these four things, but God has specifically highlighted these things in the life of this church. He has specifically told us, I want you to hold these things high, and one of them is the gospel. Okay, we challenged you to fight for the gospel, and we're going to be challenging you until, you know, the, the, to, you know indefinitely to fight for the gospel. Fight for one. Live sent to one. We, you hear us say live sent. That's our mantra. Sometimes when you hear live sent, you think it's about mission trips and living sent over there, and, and it is, but it's about living sent right here. It's going across the street, not just across the ocean. It's living sent to one, right, as well as living sent to the nations. Fight for one, live sent to one. Who's your one? Who's your one? Uh, since uh, last week, I've heard many of you Wednesday night at the dodgeball tournament. Some of you, so I heard some of you come up and were talking to me. Some people were saying, this is my one. Here's my one. Uh, last night, uh, I heard some people talking about their one. Uh, and so, so I'm glad that that language is beginning to resonate and it, within you and come out of you. Uh, we ask you to take a sticker with a number one on it. Write the first name of your one and then put it on a board that says, who's your one? And it's out in the hallway today. Matter of fact, you see a picture of the board here, and then take another sticker for yourself. You can take two or three if you want. Put it on your water bottle, put it on your computer to remind you of your one, all right? If you didn't do that last week, do it today. They're out in the hallway. You can go out there, write your name, the name of your one, take a couple of stickers. Maybe you did it last week and you got another one, awesome. Hey, have two or three, all right? Who's your two or three? But who's your one? Go out and put it on, on the board, all right? Next week, 
we're going to talk about fighting for our neighbors. And here's what we're going to do in fighting for our neighbors. In Jeremiah, it talks about uh, that we should fight for the welfare of our city, basically, okay? And what we're going to do is when we talk about city, we're not just talking about Smyrna or Laverne or Murfreesboro, we're Middle Tennessee, but really fight for our region and, and hear the cry of our city, our region. Is, is a few things, a few things like pornography. We're going to be fighting for so many people are addicted to pornography within our, our region here. So many people are addicted to pills. There's other addictions. So we're going, to, we're going to fight. We're going to talk about how we fight those things and fighting racism, all those different things, racism. And, 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 and we're just going to fight those things because they're, they're, they're keeping, they're anti-God, to be quite honest. Okay, and we're going to keep people from that, and so we're going to help help you know how to fight that. That's next week. Today, here's what we're going to help you to fight. We're going to challenge you to fight for the home, to fight for the home. We're dedicated children today, and we're going to we want you to fight for the home. Now, if you're single and you don't have kids, you're thinking, oh, this is going to be more awkward than T Rex taking a selfie, right? I mean, and so. We don't want it to be awkward because it takes a church. If you don't have kids, here's what you've probably got. You've got nieces and nephews, or, or you might have grandkids, or you, you, you've got all kind of kids in this church that need you to fight for them because maybe they don't have a mom or dad that love the Lord, and you need to fight for the home. And we're going to talk about how to fight for the home, and here's what I want you to know. I believe that every parent in this room, whether you're a Christian or not, would agree that we need to fight for our kids. I don't know anyone, Christian or not Christian, who would say, well, I don't want to fight for my kids. I'm going to let them fend for themselves in this world. <laughs> you know, I don't think anybody believes that. I believe parents believe we need to fight for our kids. Here's the, where the problem arises. It's in what we fight for. What is the fight that we're fighting for our kids? What is that fight? Well, I'm going to look at a story today that, that illustrates, I think, what many people fight for and their kids. And I'm going to say it's the wrong things. Good things, but not the best thing. Okay? Matter of fact, I'm going to say it like this. I think most parents fight to have good kids, Christian or non-Christian. I think most parents fight to have good kids. What we're going to challenge you to do is fight to have godly kids. Okay? So let me, let me, let me read this story. It's found in Mark chapter 10. It's, it's the story. The Bible calls it the rich young ruler. Now, we're going to read Mark's version of it. It's Mark chapter 10, and I'm going to read, start reading in verse 17, and I'm going to read through verse 22, and I think this story, as you look at this story, I think it illustrates what a lot of parents are fighting for with their kids today, and it's going to leave their kids where this rich young ruler was left, okay? They're going to stand where he's standing, or they're going to kneel where he was kneeling, hopefully, all right? Look at what it says. And as he, he was Jesus, and as Jesus, or as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. And Jesus, look, looking at him, loved him. That's amazing. Looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, this is a great story uh, that I think greatly illustrates what a lot of parents are fighting for today. I think if your sons and daughters, and I think basically as a whole in our country, 
if parents had sons or daughters that were like this rich young ruler, they would be very happy. They would be very happy because he was good. He was a good young man. I think if I asked what is the goal of parenting to parents all over our country, most parents would say, well, you know what, I want to raise kids who, who, man, they're good kids. I don't want them to get in trouble. I don't want them to embarrass me. Uh, I don't want them to get pregnant, get anyone pregnant. I don't want them to end up in jail. Uh, I, I want them to have a good job. I want them to have a good home, a good house. I want them to uh, have a good spouse. I want them to have some kids. Listen, I, none of those things are bad things, right? I mean, none of us want to get the call and say, hey, Dad, you need to bail me out of jail, <laughs> right? I mean, we don't want our kids in jail. We want our kids to be good kids. Here's what I want you to understand. Your kids can be all those things and still be miserable. Your kids can be all those things. That's what we see in the rich young ruler. They can have all those things and still be unhappy. And if they're unhappy, that unhappiness and misery leads to destruction, right? They, they begin to, to, to shipwreck their lives and the lives of those around them. And so here's what we're going to challenge you to do. We're going to challenge you not to fight to have good kids to raise the bar. We want you to have godly kids because you can have good kids that don't have God. But if you've got godly kids, they're going to be good kids, so don't stop with having good kids. Don't let that be your goal. You should want godly kids, okay? Now, this rich young ruler, it's a great story. It really happened. It is, it's it's 2,000 years old. This happened, think about this, 2,000 years ago. And man, it's just so relevant to, for us parents today that it screams, okay? I mean, it's so relevant uh, because this tells us the story of a, of a man who, who seemingly just had everything, right? I mean, he runs up to Jesus, and he falls at, his knee, at, at Jesus' feet on his knees. Why is he doing that? Because he's desperate. I mean, man, you run up to somebody, and you fall down at their feet and grab them and plead with them. You're begging, please. That's what's going on. You're desperate. This young man was desperate, and he asked Jesus the most important question anyone can ever ask in life. What must I do to have eternal life? Folks, listen, that's the most important question you will ever ask. Now, these kids that we dedicated today, man, they are inquisitive. What color's the sky? You know, what's this? You're like, uh, you know, I mean, you're answering all these questions, and people grow up inquisitive, asking questions. The greatest question you can ever ask is, what must I do to have eternal life? Now, let me make sure you understand what I think this young man's asking. He's not simply asking, what do I got to do to go to heaven, Jesus? What, what do I got to do to live forever after I die, Jesus? I don't think the question pertains to uh, where I will live in eternity. I really think the man's question is, I want life now, right? I, I think, you know, we, our, one of our slogans is find life. Find life, live sin. We want you to find life, and what's life? Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, right? I, yes, you give your heart to Jesus, you accept, you, you, you surrender to Jesus. Here's what happens. You get life in heaven, but listen, it doesn't, eternal life doesn't start when you die. It's not like life insurance that kicks in when you die. doesn't pay off till you die. That many people think about the gospel and think about Jesus and eternal life as, well, it kicks in when I die. That's not biblical. It kicks in the moment you surrender to Jesus and lasts through eternity. You see, it's about life right now. The young man had everything, yet he had a big hole in his soul. He had no clue what was going on. I, I'm missing something. Jesus, I see you. I see this something that's real, and I want what you got, Jesus. 
Where do I get it? Help me to know what to do. Now, you know, here's what I want you to understand. I believe this young man's parents would have been absolutely confused at his question. They're thinking, why would he be missing anything? We've worked hard to make sure he had everything. I mean, what possibly could he be missing in life? I really believe his parents would have been confused by his question, right? I mean, what could he be missing? He was rich. He was rich. I mean, all, all parents, man, wouldn't it, we, all parents, I think, want their kids to do well. We, I want my kids to have good jobs making good cheese. That's why I had five, because I want one of them, surely out of five, one of them will make it and take care of me, okay? <laughs> not really. That's not why I had five. But I mean, hey, it don't hurt. I mean, <laughs> you know, while I got five, I might as well hope for the best. All parents, I think, want their kids to have a good job making good money. And I mean, matter of fact, here's what happens most of the time. Most of the time, parents, man, we go into crazy debt to make sure our kids go to college to get the good job. And I say crazy debt because parents, listen, uh, or they get their kids to go into crazy debt with student loans. I want you to understand, uh, I, I, I know college, I'm, I'm huge on education. I've got a few degrees, Okay. So I, I'm a huge on education. I'm just not huge on parents going into crazy debt or the kids going into crazy debt to get it. Matter of fact, I, I want to help you to understand, Nathaniel Hale, he's our, he, he does our finances here at the church, works for me as one of our executive pastors, does our finances. Come and talk to him if you're thinking about that. It's sometimes the craziest decision that you can make. Don't do that, all right? There, there are other ways. Matter of fact, uh, today, if you're interested, if, if, if you as an adult or you as a student or, or you got a student interested in college and not grazing crazy debt, we've partnered with a college called Williamson College. they got a booth out here today. As a matter of fact, they're doing lunch. You, you want a free lunch? That's a free lunch. Go get a free lunch and listen how you can go if, as an adult or as a student how you can go to college. Okay, my point is, many parents, man, I want my kid to be successful. I want my kid to be have a good job, making good money. They got to get a college education. Oh, that's great. Okay, but don't be crazy to do it. The second thing is the parents were not only was he rich, he was successful. I mean, this guy, listen, he didn't he didn't work for the man. He was the man, right? He was successful. He had all the toys. Right? He had more toys, and he who's got the most toys wins, right? He was successful. Many parents. I, I think all parents, I want my kids to be successful. Who anybody say, I want my kids to be a failure? No. That'd be crazy. We want our kids to be a success. Here's the problem. We gotta define success correctly. We gotta define success according to the Bible and not according to culture. Scripture, not culture, should set our definition of success. And the problem is sometimes we got the wrong definition of success. And here's what parents do. If we, we miss that mark on what success is, then here's what we can do. Now I'm gonna say this, and if you've been around here forever, you know me, you know I am a sports fanatic, right? I love football. Matter of fact, this message is getting a little bit long. Titans kick off in a little while. Praise the Lord, God created DVRs, right? I'm a sports fanatic, but here's what happens. Many parents, I want my kids to be successful, so let me, my kid wants to play soccer, my kid wants to play baseball, my kid wants to play football, my kid wants to do gymnastics or dance or whatever it is, and here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna spend crazy amounts of money and time and energy I mean, I mean, I'm going to give everything to making sure my kid does, does all this stuff. I'm a sports fan, so I'm a huge. My kids, athletics. I, listen, my son went to college on a football scholarship. I, 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 I get that. I get it all. Because here's what you know is I'm going to do this because little Johnny and little Tammy, here's what they're going to do. They're going to get their college paid for, and they're going to go into NFL or the NBA, or they're going to be on the U.S. Olympic team. I mean, they're go we know that, right? I got news for you folks. None of you kids are going to make it probably. 
That's bad. Boy, aren't you glad you came to church? None of your kids going to make it. Maybe one of your kids might get their college paid for, statistically, okay? If you're setting yourself up for that, it's going to be a hard fall. And, and, and I'm an athletics guy who believes in athletics. My point is none of those things are bad. I believe in athletics. I, I, listen, I, I, there are times in my life when I've wanted to quit something. And I thought back and I said, bud, if I can make it through two days in August, I can make it through this. It teaches me teamwork. It teaches me all those kinds of things. Those are great. Go hard after them. But just don't let them be the main thing is my point. Does that make sense? Don't let them be the main thing. If they're the main thing, they're out of place. And anything out of place becomes a bad thing. Okay? Anything out of place becomes a bad thing. All right? So go hard after it. Use it for the glory of God while you're doing it. Just don't let it become the main thing. Okay? Does that make sense? So most parents want their kids to be successful. That's good. You should. This young man was rich. He was successful. You know what else he was? Man, he was moral. He was a good kid. Jesus said, okay, here's some commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Honor your mother and father. Yada, 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 yada. Do these things. And now I want to stop and say Jesus was not saying if you do these things, you'll be right with God. He's pointing out. He knew that these guy, this guy had done these things and he was still miserable. That's his point. Okay? He said, do these things. Bum, 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 bum. Do these things. And the young man said, I, Jesus, I'm your man. I've done them all. I've done them all. And Jesus is basically like, and you're still miserable. Right? I've done them all. Listen, this young man had kept all the rules. Here's what he done. He kept all the rules, which means he was a good moral kid. Didn't get in trouble. He was the best kid in the youth group. He didn't smoke or chew or go with the girls who do. You know, that's what my mama used to say anyway. He he used to do all those things. Right? I'm glad somebody didn't know my papa all that because my mama, boy, she dipped snuff and she'd spit it in the eye too. So... Listen, you, 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 this was a good kid. He didn't, get a, he didn't get in trouble. He didn't embarrass his parents. He, he, he was a good kid. Didn't get in jail. He was a good He was this guy. Let me tell you. Let me bring this guy into, into 2019. Here was a guy who went to Vandy, graduated Vandy Law School with honors, became a partner in a prestigious firm by the time he was 30, owned his own home, drove a BMW Roadster. Man, I mean, this guy was, he was an all-American kid who just literally made his parents proud, and he had it all, man. He was successful, he was wealthy, rich, he was moral, he was good, and he was miserable. You get that, parents? Man, you can raise a moral rich, successful man or woman and they'd be miserable. That's not what you want. Miserable. That's not what you want. This tells me that, listen, it tells me that your kid and you can raise kids with a life full of stuff but a life empty of meaning. You've got to fight the temptation You've got to fight if you, want, if you want to raise godly kids. And we've got to fight the temptation that the goal of parenting is good, moral, wealthy, rich, successful kids that don't get in trouble or embarrass me. We've got to fight that temptation. We've got to fight it. And we've got to fight, secondly, that they run hard after Jesus and not stuff. We've got to fight that they pursue Jesus and, that they, and not stuff. I mean, when we look, this rich young ruler, he runs up, runs up to Jesus and he falls down and he says, Jesus, what do I do to inherit eternal life? 
What do I do? And Jesus' answer is the foundation, I think, for what we should fight for in the home. First off, what did Jesus tell him to do? He tells him, basically sums it up in two things. He told him to, hey, look, son, young man, you want life because you're miserable? You want to know what's missing in your life? I'll tell you what's missing in your life. Here's what you do. Go sell everything you've got and give it to the poor. Now, that should cause you to pump the brakes just a moment, right? Because is Jesus saying that money and stuff's bad? Is Jesus saying that you should go deplete your bank account and sell everything you've got and give it to the poor? Or you should go deplete it? It's bad, it's bad to have those things? No, obviously not. That's not what Jesus is saying. If money was bad and if stuff was bad, he wouldn't say give it to the poor. He wouldn't want to burden them with it. He wouldn't want it to be an albatross around their neck. That's not what he's saying at all. He knows what this young man is worshiping. See, this young man was counting on his success, on his money, on his stuff. He was counting on morality. He was counting on all these things to give him life when in fact they were keeping him from life. And so what Jesus is doing is attacking his false god. He's attacking his false god. And you remember when Egypt, when Israel come out of Egypt and God was leading them through the wilderness and their disobedience, it cost them 40 years in a place that just should have taken them, you know, weeks. It cost them 40 years uh, because of their disobedience. But God, when they had conquest in the land and Joshua is leading, in leading them into the new land, what did God tell them to do? When you dispossess the people, here's what I want you to do. You destroy their astras. You destroy their, 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 their places of worship. You destroy all their gods, lest their gods become a snare to you you see what jesus is doing here is he's saying i know what your false god is and your false god is keeping you from life you want life you want real life it's not just eternal life you want to know what's missing in your life you're wanting something that your false god's not giving you you're trusting in something that's stealing life from you so he said sell it get rid of it cut it out of your life cut it out of your life that's what jesus is doing here and then what'd he say? He said, follow me. Follow me. You gotta quit worshiping your false gods and follow the one true God if you want life. If you want not just to live in heaven forever, but live abundantly right now. You gotta get rid of your false gods and follow the one true God. Now parents, here's what I really believe. Those parents that, that I mean, this kid's parent, I believe that they could have written a book and most people in America would have said, I want to know how you got this young man. He's rich, he's successful, he's moral, he's a good kid. Man, he's on Fortune 500. I mean, he's all these things. It's, 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 it's awesome. I, I, and they could have written a book on parenting. This is how we did it. They could have hit the talk show circuit and they could have made just millions of dollars in today's world, right? Uh, but they raised a kid who had these things and he was miserable. And because he was worshiping a false god. I believe the parents who should be, uh, you know, that we should be looking to are, uh, and, and saying, I want to follow your example. You tell me how you did that. Are not parents who just raise rich, wealthy, uh, moral, good kids, but parents who raise godly kids. What'd you do? Man, I want to fight for that. And let, parents, let me, let, me, let me tell you what that means. Your kids following Jesus, it doesn't mean praying a prayer and getting baptized, okay? It's not what that means. Matter of fact, we have parents come in all the time 
who want their children to pray a prayer because I really want them in heaven. I hope you want them in heaven, right? I, I hope you want them to identify with Jesus. And we have these parents that come in all the time and they're like, man, my son and my daughter, she, she, she's asking questions and she's ready, I think. And so we said, well, come in and let us talk because we, don't want, we want to make sure they don't have this false sense of I prayed a prayer and I'm in. And they live their life thinking, I'm a Christian when I'm really not because you can do that. And so we bring them in and we talk to them. I say we as in Donnie and our, 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 our children's team, they talk to them and they want to make sure. And a lot of times you always say, little Johnny's just not ready yet. And sometimes, you know, the biggest majority of parents are like, man, thank you for helping us see that. Because, but sometimes parents are like, what? We want little Johnny to pray the prayer. He's ready to pray the prayer. We're like, well, see, it's not a prayer. It's not a prayer. You can't trust a prayer. My kids, folks, I, I baptized I baptized all five of my kids. I just baptized three of my kids uh, a couple of weeks ago at 11, 12, and 13. I could have done that earlier because, you see, I know that I have great influence in the lives of my kids, and if I would have pressured them, man, they would have prayed a prayer, and I would have baptized them three years ago. See, I didn't want to pressure them. I wanted to point them to Jesus. And I wanted Jesus to save them and not my pressure upon them. I wanted to point them to Jesus. And then when they gave their life to Jesus, I wanted to make sure they understood what all that meant and all those kind of things. And parents, we want you to fight for your kid. And that doesn't mean praying a prayer. It doesn't mean getting baptized, signing them up for youth camp and a mission trip to Brazil. Those are great things. I want my kids to do all those things. But you can do all those things and still not know Jesus. Did you know that? Just like the rich young ruler just like the rich young ruler. You see, we want you to want your kid to do more than identify with Jesus. If you remember last week, and if you weren't here, you can go back and watch it. Last week, I said there was a difference in the title Christian where most people today, the number one designation for those who follow Jesus in America, the number one designation is Christian. Although we're not called Christians in the Bible, but three times, and that's in a derogatory sense. God doesn't call us Christians in the Bible. Uh, God calls us disciple. Now, there's a major difference. Christian is not a bad designation. Don't hear me, okay? I'm not saying, oh, we've got to change it. It's all wrong. Christian is a word that identifies us with Christ, which we should want to be little Christs, right? That identifies us with Jesus, but disciple doesn't identify with Jesus. It means we, it means we are becoming like Jesus. You see, that's a little different, isn't it? Most people will identify with Jesus in our world today, although they don't know anything about Jesus, right? I mean, that's why if you read all the world statistics on religion, it's like, well, 60% or 70% of the people identify, say, claim Christian. It's because, man, my mama was a Christian, grandmama was a Christian, they're a member of the church, we're a Christian nation, bang, Christian, not Christian, right? It's easy to identify with Jesus. Most people would. But I guarantee you, if you went to, if, if the question was asked differently, not just are you Christian, but are you a disciple who is living like, following like, pursuing hard after Jesus and what he did, most of those people would not check that box. Right? And here's what I really believe. I really believe that parents really want their kid to identify with Jesus because we know in that they get heaven. And I think most parents in America believe that if my kid checks that box, prays that prayer, gets baptized, heaven is checked off. And man, it's it, that being, we succeeded and we can move on because that, that was, that box is checked. And that's wrong parents. Listen, that's wrong church. That's wrong. We want our kids to identify with Jesus when in fact we should be fighting that they become like Jesus. 
You don't want them to just be good. You want them to be godly because they can be good without being godly and go to hell. They can be, if they're godly, I promise, they, you'll have good kids if they're godly kids. But you won't have godly kids just because they're good. So are you fighting for them to become like Jesus? Now, that's a, that's a little different story. Mom and dads, listen, that's a little different story because it's easy to want them to identify with Jesus. But are you fighting to become like him? Literally become like him. Now, you know, the disciples who were like him, you know, they all ended up getting killed, right? Because they wouldn't compromise their faith. They wouldn't compromise their faith. They, they ended up with their heads chopped off and boiling pots of water. I'm not saying your kid's going to end up like that. I'm just saying they literally become like him. Do we, if our kid become like Jesus, then here's, here's what we're going to be teaching them. You see, it's hard to think about this because what we're going to be teaching them is money's not preeminent. Jesus is. Money's not bad, right? Money is not bad at all. That's not Jesus told him to sell. Money isn't bad. It's who's, is, is Jesus the Lord over your money? Then it's good. Or are you the Lord over your money? Because if Jesus is the Lord over your money, man, it's going to be awesome, right? Under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, here's what's going to happen with your money. If Jesus is the Lord of your money, you give first, then you save, right? And then you live. And when you're living, that means... Right, right, paying for your house, but going on vacation, buying toys is okay under the lordship of Jesus. None of that's bad. None of that's bad because you have money. Money doesn't have you. This this rich young ruler, money had him. You see, under the lordship of Jesus, all the the ball is not bad. Listen, uh, under the lordship of Jesus, ball's not bad. Man, if you're a travel baller, praise God for you. You've got a mission field. Go into it because it's under the lordship of Jesus, Right? Is it under the lordship of Jesus or is it your God? That's the difference. Because see, I hope your son, man, is a great football player because here's what I want. I want your kid to go all the way and make it to the NFL and sign that, by the time he gets there, that $250 million contract and tithe to this church. Okay? I want them to be the greatest gym, gymnast so that they can sign the, 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 uh, uh, you know, the sponsors and get, get all the, you know, the deals. Under the lordship of Jesus, he's beautiful. Go at it. Go at it. Go at it. That's your mission field. Outside of the lordship of Jesus, oh, it's, it's, it can teach your kids some bad things. Under the lordship of Jesus, I mean, man, pedal that bike hard. You get it? Because you see, here, it's what you're teaching your kid. What do you want? You want your kid to be like Jesus? Then you say, this is your mission field. You're a robotics. We've got some kids in robotics. Man, I mean, I don't even know how to do that stuff. But your kids in robotics, go at it. Because there's a whole mission field in the robotics stuff that, man, that don't know Jesus. You're, you're going all over the country doing robotics on trip. Great. Go in the glory of God. Go for the glory of God under the lordship of Jesus. That's your mission field. Man, we got kids that are musicians. Man, they, they play the guitar. They play Whatever it is, you see. I'm using examples I know. Do you want your kid to be like Jesus? You know what? It might mean they lay some of that stuff down too. It might mean your kid comes to you and says, Mom, I'm taking a gap year in college because I want to go on the mission field. That make you go, <laughs> right? Gap year? What are you talking about? You got to go to college, son. I know what it is. You go to college, you won't ever start back. Let me tell you something. Here's what I've, I, I don't have stats to verify this. I'm not one of those guys stats to say, but just experientially, here's what I found. The kids that take gap years to go on the mission field, those are the kids that finish college one way or the other. Do you want your kid to be like Jesus? That means you've got to fight within your dreams 
and your desires. My son was on the mission field for four years. My oldest son, he calls me one day from Bangkok, and he said, Dad, I, I don't know why, but I just, God won't let Myanmar get off my heart. I don't know if I'll end up in Myanmar. I'm not saying I'm going to, but I'm just telling you, Myanmar is on my heart. I don't know if you know anything about Myanmar, but I know some of you do. <laughs> some of you are from there. Uh, uh, Myanmar is what we call a closed access country for the gospel, meaning they'll kill you if you're a Christian or if you go to take Christianity there. So when your son calls and tells you, I don't know, I've got Myanmar on my heart. It's a closed access country, and you know they kill Christians there. Your immediate thought is, Son, why in the world would you want to do that? There's all kinds of people need Jesus around here, right? Everything within me wanted to do that. I had to fight within myself. I had to fight myself to say, I want you to be like Jesus. And if that's where Jesus calls you to go, I'll do everything I can to help you get there. And you know what? I want you to win many people to Jesus. But if, 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 if you go there and die, then... Man, what more could I want that you die treasuring Jesus so much you want to take his name to a group of people that don't know him? Now, parents, that's heavy and that's big, and I'm not saying that you should want your kids. If I'm not willing to lay my kids, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, do you really want your kids to be like Jesus, not just identify with him? It's going to cost you, and you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight culture. You're going to have to fight yourself. You're going to have to fight everything to stand up and say, I want my kids to be like Jesus. I want them to live like him. I want them to, to love what he loves. I want my kids to be like Jesus. We're going to have to fight in order to do that, that they understand God's love. Now, listen, here's, here's the thing. Did you notice what Jesus said in this story? Jesus said, or Mark said that Jesus looked at him and loved him. Folks, I think that's your motivation right there. Here's why. You're never going to get your kids to run hard after the heart of Jesus if all you do is tell them, well, don't do this and don't do that and don't do this and you're going to make God angry and you're going to make God mad if you, oh, that makes God angry. That hurt. I mean, man, you're teaching your kids to grow up thinking that obedience to God is an assault on their happiness. If I'm obedient, boy, I'm not going to be happy. It's all about don't. Right? Now, sure, we got to teach them what God says not to do, but not from a negative perspective, right? We got to teach them. God loves you, and he wants the best for you. Let me give you an example. Amy and I, we are from completely different side of the tracks. You know what I mean? I mean, you know what I mean, right? I mean, Amy grew up, man, and I mean, she, I mean, man, she comes from a different side. She didn't never, she never once in her life, you know, stayed out past her curfew. I never had a curfew, right? I mean, she never got drunk one time in her life has Amy ever been drunk. She's never woken up, uh, woke up somewhere and said, where am I? How did I get here? Right? I mean, she never put her lips on that, on that old moon cabbage, you know, the devil's lettuce. She never, she never took a puff of marijuana, you know. Never did that. She never did any of that stuff. She come from different side of tracks than I did. <laughs> Praise God for his grace. She never did any of that stuff. And if you ask her today, you know what she'll say? I know she didn't do it. Not because her dad said, I don't want you to go out. You can't get drunk. You can't go out and be sleeping around. 
you can't, don't do this. That's, that's not what her daddy did. Sure, her daddy taught her the way of God. But here's what her daddy did. I love you. I saw him as an adult. When I was married to his daughter, I saw him put his arm around her and tell her she was beautiful and how much he loved her and how special she was. I saw him do that. And she'll tell you today that she never did any of those things, not because her dad said don't do it, but because her dad so loved her and she did not want to disappoint her daddy. See, that's a way different motivation, isn't it? You see, I want my kids to grow up, and I don't want them to think about, well, if you say don't have sex, before, then, then your kids grow up thinking sex is bad. No, I, I want them to say, oh, man, you know, I, I, sex is not bad. It's awesome in context, right? Don't, 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 don't get drunk. Don't do this. Don't do that. They grow up thinking, oh, it's bad. God's just against everything, and it's assault on my happiness. And who wants? No, you want to help them understand, like, God loves you, and he's created life, and he knows how you can live it that will bring you the most absolute joy. And that's what you want to do. Because when you don't do it that way, it just, it, man, it, it destroys you. He loves you. He loves you. You know, you're going to, your son, I, I mean, how do you teach your kids the love of God? You've got to tell them all the time, God, you can't do anything to make God love you more, son. And daughter, you can't do anything to make God love you less. Did you know that? No matter what you did. But see, sometimes we communicate to our kids that they're making God mad and making us mad. And man, we catch our, 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 you catch your son. Now, what's going to happen when you catch your son looking at pornography on his phone and in our day and age because, man, it's just right here in your pocket, right? We're going to talk about it next week. And see, so when, 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 when you catch your son doing that, your first thing, your, your very first thought is going to be, what in the world are you doing, son? Let me have that phone. This is horrible. You're horrible. That makes God, I mean, that, that's your first thought. You ain't going to do that around here. That, that's your first thought, right? And you think, I'm fighting. But what you're communicating to your kid, oh, man, that, that, that's not motivating them. What we need to communicate, what, what would be a better way, that or to help your kid to sit down, sit down with your kid and say, son, let me, let me make sure you understand something. Man, I, I'm not happy because this is going to hurt you. You know, I understand why you want to look at a woman like that. God made you that way. Did you know that? God made her that way. And that's beautiful. And that's a thing that God made. Right? But here's the context for it. Here's the context for it. And this context is awesome. Outside, it's just going to bring you pleasure. God loves you. And although you did something that, that man, is, God loves you and God's grace is for you. Now, which one of those as a child are you going to respond to? Which one of those are you going to respond to if you come and tell me that? You come and tell me, Pastor, I'm, I'm struggling with pornography. What's wrong with you, you idiot? Good gravy. All you do is mess up. Boy, you going you gonna to come see me again? Well, why do you think your son's any different? You think I'm going to respond to you as your pastor that way? I don't know. Depends on what kind of day I've had. <laughs> Make sure to ask Charity, hey, Pat had a good day today. That's not how you respond. You respond out of grace. Oh, man, you come to me and I'm going to say, listen, listen, listen. Here's what I know. God loves you. Man, this is still in your joy. God saved you if you're a Christian, and he knew when he saved you, this would be a part of your life. And he saved you anyway. That's how much he loves you. Man, we're going to fight for you. We're going to fight with you. God loves you. God wants to forgive you. God wants to pour his grace out upon you. What do you think you're going to respond to better, and what do you think your kid's going to respond to better? 
Teach him the love of God. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Are you teaching your kids how much God loves them? Now listen, how are you going to do this? I want you to make a plan. Because here's the thing. If you go back to Joshua in Judges, actually Judges 2, when Joshua's about to die, it says this. Joshua lived to 110 years old and he died. And when Joshua died, all of his contemporaries died with him. That generation died out. And here's the, one of the saddest things in all of Scripture. Think about what Joshua did, conquest. Man, they completely come in and they took the land. It was one of the absolute most God things you can ever imagine. And that generation died out. And here's what it says. Sad, sad, sad. Another generation grew up that did not know the Lord or the things that he had done. Because parents didn't do what Deuteronomy 6 said. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These things that I impress upon you today, you shall teach diligently to your children. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk about them when you go down the road and when you sit in your home, when you rise and when, you're, when you sleep. You shall bind them as a sign around your hands. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your home and on your gates. They forgot. They didn't do it. They didn't fight for their kids. They fought for their kids to be good. They didn't fight for their kids to be godly. And a whole generation grew up. And if you read the book of Judges, you know what kind of chaos that brought into their lives. Slavery. Destitute. Don't let that happen to our kids. And folks, I'm just telling you. We're just a few years away from that very scenario in this country. Because Christians for years have not fought for their kids. Churches have not fought for their kids. Will you fight? Will you make a plan? You got a plan for your kids in so many areas. You got a plan for their education. And you should. You should have a plan for your kids' education. But you should have a stronger plan for their spiritual education. You got a plan for your kids in sports. You should have a stronger plan for your kids in their walk with Christ. You've got a plan for your kids in so many things. Have you got a plan? Are you fighting? Go to our here's what we should go to our, our my house worship and, and, and do worship with your kids at least three times a week. Now, I, I know that some of those songs on there, if you've got small kids, they're hard. And do, do, we're gonna put out some kids' stuff, okay? But do what you do. You don't have to do it like that. Read a scripture with them. Pray with them. Pray over them at night. Come to church with them. Let them see you uh, worship God. Let that be important. We're having, a my house, we're having a worship tonight, right? We're having family worship tonight. Come with your kid tonight. Come with your kid tonight. Let's eat at 4.30 and let's worship together. Come, let, let them see you worship. We got a resource page. Parenting resource page. We've got a parenting resource booth. We've set you up for success, folks. It's just add you. Okay? It's just add you. So I want to pray, and I want to challenge you to fight. And I'm going to pray, and Travis is going to come out, and, and then I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you that, Lord, I failed as a parent so many times. Thank you for grace in my failures. Thank you that you can overcome any blunder that I make. I know there are parents here now that feel like, man, I've blown it. Help them to know, no, they haven't blown it. You're in control, not them. 
God, I, I thank you for blunders, grace for blunders, and I thank you that uh, you use all of those things for your glory. And God, I just pray that parents fight for the gospel, and I pray that they fight for the home, and I pray that the singles in this church fight for the next generation so that we don't have a generation that grows up and knows nothing of the Lord or what he has done. God, help us to fight. God, it's so easy to just not fight. It's so easy to sit around and do nothing and we look up and as the years go by, if we do nothing, we look around and realize we have nothing. God, help us to fight for the home. We love you and we praise you. We look forward to what you're going to do in our homes for your glory among the nations. In Jesus' name, amen.